hunt for the truth begins. Today on Video Gameography, the podcast where we explore the most important game franchises in history, one title at a time. I'm Benjamin Reeves. And I am Marcus Stewart. And today we're joined by Arthur Geese, the lead editor at the New York Times Wirecutter, also the host of a podcast Rebel FM. How's it going, Arthur? Uh, not bad, not bad. Just a little, little, little weird out there today. A little weird out today, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if this breaks the illusion. We're recording early. We're recording on the day that Microsoft announced their acquisition of Activision. So it's a big news day for everybody. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Halo 5 Guardians. Uh, I was thinking this is like the other M point of the podcast. <laughs> it's like trying to think like, <laughs> is this the entry in the series that's the most divisive? Like probably. Yeah, the one that people were most excited for us to talk about, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think of uh, just to jump right into it? Halo five guardians. Are you guys fans? Are you, do you guys like champion is like, ah, people don't understand it or, or do you hate it along with the rest of the internet? I mean, um, I actually just recently replayed it because I, before infinite came out, I made it a point to actually replay all of them from start to finish. Uh, the only one I didn't replay was ODSU because I played that one several times. The thing that sticks out to me about Halo five, uh, mostly is that a lot of the stuff that people complain about, is stuff that people complained about in every Halo without fail. I, I think that every Halo game kind of has some similar difficulty spikes depending on on what difficulty you play on. They have the same sort of like issues in the end game as far as like encounters kind of running out of ideas, um, where the pacing gets a little weird, and also where the story doesn't make a lot of sense. I think that that's kind of a routine Halo problem. And I think that all that's present. And I'm also was just kind of reminded about one of the things that occurred to me as I was playing Halo 5, a game that I did like when it came out uh, is wondering what the hell that game was supposed to be before it was chopped into what we got. Halo five specifically. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what other halo game has a dialogue prompt system and levels where you walk around and just talk to people for no particular <laughs> reason. It is. Yeah. I mean, we can definitely get into that. It is a weirdo entry. There's a lot of things to say, but maybe we should back up first. And Arthur, were you a big halo fan? like from the beginning of the series like what's your history with halo oh yeah so people who didn't own an original xbox may not know this but original xboxes had names like the systems had names that would appear when you hooked them up on lan on lan play and the way they determine their name is by the game that you played on them when you started and how you played it and mine nicknamed itself butcher because the first game that i played on my xbox uh in december of 2001 was halo on legendary so I've been on Halo Kick basically right from the beginning. I love that series. It's been like a consistent thing that I've been fixated on for forever. It's kind of weird now, like knowing a bunch of people that work on that game, um, being on a first name basis with a lot of people that work on that game, including like some of the studio people. And so it's been interesting to see the sort of evolution of that series for me as someone who I honestly love probably all of them except for maybe like spartan salt which i didn't play very much of but oh sure the top down shooter thing yeah 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 we might talk about that a bit it's kind of a i don't know overlooked part of the series for sure it's a curiosity yeah that's a good way to put it a curiosity so yeah you said halo 5 when it came out you you liked it generally i mean you know i'm not gonna bury the lead i kind of liked it too i don't think i hate it i think it maybe is maybe my least favorite i don't know where do you rank it in the series I, you know, I think that the problem for Halo 5 is that like every Halo game is pretty good. <laughs> I think that uh, out of all of them, the one that feels the most sloggy is kind of Halo Reach. So I think that I'd put it actually a little bit above Halo Reach and far of just like basic game design and fun to play factor. But it's near the bottom of a pile of really good games. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. Even the best or excuse me, even the worst Halo is is better than a lot of other games you could say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know. Marcus, what do you think? So Halo five is the only Halo game I've played twice. And that was because it was actually the second Halo game I ever played. Uh, I think I mentioned this briefly when we talked about reach, where I have a weird history where reach was my first, the first Halo campaign that I ever played. And then the next one was five. <laughs> so I played the earliest and the latest in the timeline. And the only reason I did that was when uh, Halo 5, because it was fall 2015, I was actually an intern at Game Informer. 
And that's the first time I played it. We did a video uh, with Wade Wojcik. I believe we mentioned that when he was on for Halo 2. That's the first time I touched it. Then a few months after that, Microsoft did like a free weekend thing uh, where you could just down, like, pretty much just unlock the game for everyone to play. And I was just like, oh, just free Halo. Why not? I like Halo and just ran through that campaign. Had no idea what was happening outside of, I guess Cortana's a bad guy now? Huh, that's weird. And then also just hearing the you know the sentiment of like everyone hates this apparently but i just didn't know enough to like really judge i was like oh this is a fun sci-fi shooter thing basically yeah and then i replayed it last year when i ran through the master chief collection and then ended with halo 5 like okay now i have context for this let's see if i you know if my opinion lands with everyone else's and even after that one i i don't hate halo 5 at all i not like super in love with this story but i didn't like throw my xbox at the wall or anything like that i agree with arthur that i think it it definitely plays the best just as a video game than any other game in the series and i think that's why i'm fine with it like i it's just fun to run around and shoot prometheans and stuff but yeah i i think it maybe gets a little bit more hate than it deserves not i i I agree with some of the you know why people don't like it but i i mean there's definitely way worse video games Mm -hmm. out there than Halo 5. Like I said, it's a series that has a pretty stellar track record. And so, like, one of them's got to be, quote-unquote, the worst, I guess, if you're going to line them up. But, yeah, I think this game is, on its own merits, a totally fine game. Yeah, I was trying to think of an analogy with with Halo, and it feels like, story-wise, is it kind of like The Last Jedi, where people just retroactively turned on well, it people were upset with last jedi <laughs> opening weekend but i i get what you're going for i mean i like last jedi i'm one, i'm in the camp of defending that movie this one i think because i'm not as invested with halo lore specifically maybe that's why it doesn't bother me as much right i think halo is like as a story is like oh it's fine it's it's fun but i don't care enough to be like how dare they <laughs> you know like i don't think there's anything wrong with the idea of having cortana be the bad guy you know just as a concept so it's it's interesting so i respect them for going for it yeah i'm 100 percent with you i actually i like the idea of cortana becoming the bad guy i think that's an interesting take you know we can argue if they nailed the take i don't i don't think they did but i think conceptually the idea is good but i know a lot of people were arguing that oh that's a bad idea and i just don't think it's a bad idea personally i think people just really like cortana you know as she was and just didn't want her to be fiddled with right but they were already starting to fiddle with her in four sure yeah i mean and i think that well they they did it at then she she went to hang out with the grave mind at the end of halo 2 yeah most of halo 3 looking for her and in the worst level in the entire series you go into the grave mind's butthole to find cortana (laughs) the problem with halo 5 story is probably the same problem that most of them have which is that like it's some really cool ideas with like really sort of uneven execution and that like all the cortana stuff is really backloaded in that game like there's a lot of narrative threads in halo 5 like there's the san kelly civil war and there's like the hunt for blue team and there's like what's up with cortana who are who's the warden and they do a lot of that in like maybe the shortest halo campaign it is super short and also it feels like master chief just doesn't get a lot of screen time they set it up like Here's Chief, here's Locke, and you're going to play one level with him, one level with Locke. But the Chief levels are especially short, and I feel like you spend more time with Locke, oh, which I don't sure. think people you like. Do. And I guess the idea is because, like, oh, he's new. We got to establish, like, who he is and what makes him cool, especially because weren't they straight up doing, like, the, you know, pick your side with the fans? Like, are you Team Locke or Team Chief, which seemed ill-advised. Ill-advised. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the guy that we love or the person we just met. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, and, and I think that like this game kind of started out on the wrong foot as well, because so much of the story depends on knowing what happened in Spartan Ops from Halo 4. I don't know if you two played Spartan Ops. I played like the first two missions and then I was like, this is not for me. There is straight up like an hour of CG in Spartan Ops, like an hour of story that is a straight line from the end of Halo 4 to the beginning of Halo 5. Okay, so that's why I was lost. Yeah, they basically Kingdom Hearts Halo B. <laughs> I, I like the, if you want if you wanted to know why Halsey only has one arm and why she's hanging out with a bunch of elites at the beginning of Halo 5, it's all in Spartan Ops. Yep. All of it. 
That's so um, weird. I wonder why they decided to do that. I I mean, they wanted people to play Spartanoffs. They were pretty excited for it when it came out. Um, but Halo 4 kind of suffered from that fall off in player base that a lot of games at that time did. But I think that Halo 5 is in part sort of like a product of a lot of converging factors around Xbox at the time. Like, it's hard not to look at Halo 5 is just like symptomatic of the Xbox One struggles as a platform and Xbox's struggles as a division when that game came out. Because it's like, here's here's a game that it's the first game in the series that's going to be 60 frames per second, which is not a minor technical undertaking. Like that's a pretty big ask to take an engine to go from 30 to 60 uh, in the course of just a few years, especially on new hardware that wasn't necessarily as exponentially more powerful as previous generations had been you know this has got to be the game that saves xbox because everybody hates us now like we're getting just absolutely crushed by playstation in a way that feels worse than it did in the original xbox era although the original xbox was even more crushed by playstation and and they had gone from being kind of the leader to just a debacle between you know the 360 and xbox one and and i think that like they had to do all these things over the course of what was essentially like two and a half years because they also had to sort of shepherd the Master Chief collection out, which was its own, you know, can of worms. And so Halo 5 is was a big, big lift yeah, from 343, like with a lot of expectations and a lot of pressure put on it. And I think that that's not uncommon for a Halo game. I feel like every Halo game has been a total disaster from start to finish. Like there are legendary stories of problems with development in almost every mainline Halo game. Like Halo 3 is the only Halo game that Bungie made that wasn't a house on fire, basically. <laughs> um, and that's mostly because it was just wrapping up what they didn't finish with Halo 2. Uh-huh. So like every Halo game is is like a case of triage. But I think Halo 5 kind of shows the scars of that more than any other Halo game. Because there's just like clearly pieces of a- another game there that never made it out. And what did make it there was very short. There was no local co-op and that made people pretty upset. Yeah. I think that people were looking for a reason to be angry at Microsoft and Halo was kind of a good punching bag for that. Yeah. That's all well said. Yeah. My understanding was that the co-op was cut partially because, or maybe largely because of the 60 frames per second. It's just harder to do. Can't do couch co-op. Which is a shame. I kind of thought they would maybe backpedal on it for Infinite and maybe we'd get couch co-op. But that's still something that's going to be supposedly patched in later down the road. Yeah. People are less angry about it now, it turns out. Yeah, I think they've gotten used to it to some degree. I I also just think that people like like Xbox more now than they did in 2015. I think that people are more ready to take an act from 343 or xbox is something in good faith as opposed to this is like another thing on a bullet list of ways that microsoft is trying to screw consumers mm, like it is, was impossible in 2015 to avoid the microsoft is screwing us narrative yeah that is a good point and they were all you know that was very much the time when microsoft was sort of they were trying to be a multimedia company to a large degree and xbox was framed around it's a multimedia device rather than a game system feels like they sort of lost the thread a little bit and I think a lot of gamers definitely responded to that. It's like, what are you trying to do? We just like playing good games. Yeah. Well, we can dive into it. Uh, let's talk about the dev history a little bit. The game released October 27th, 2015, as we've said. Other games of that year include Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain. Talk about another game that was probably on fire up until release. <laughs> the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, Bloodborne, Undertale, and Fallout 4. A couple good games in there. Some of the films include of the year include Star Wars Force Awakens, Jurassic World. Those two were battling it out for <laughs> the top billing in the box office. Inside Out, The Martian, and Avengers Age of Ultron. 2015 was an interesting year. That was the year that Queen Elizabeth became Great Britain's longest running monarch at 63, which is kind of wild. And she's basically been the Queen of England my whole life. Pretty much. Still is. And, now, and still now. is. Yeah. Apparently, the previous record was set by her great-great-grandmother, Queen Victoria. Uh, China, you know, just to set your mind, back in 2015, China also announced the end of their one-child policy, which had gone on for 35 years. And then uh, there were the Paris Climate 
deals, which, man, good thing we locked those in, right? Yeah, definitely. We're doing it. Yeah. Well, Halo 5's development, we can talk about a little bit. We talked about Halo 4 last week. Halo 4 was 2012, and there was a pretty good run of just Halo products, like one after another each year. Halo Spartan Assault came out the following year in 2013, and then the year after that, the Master Chief Collection came out in 2014. The Master Chief Collection, though, as we talked about last week, had a pretty rough launch. If you guys remember, there were a lot of people who could not connect and play the game. Yes, not not yeah. good to not be able to play the old Halos that you like. And that that's like, I think that the Master Chief Collection is just kind of was the precursor to the problems that Halo 5 would have as far as like, it was a project where I think it started as Halo 2 anniversary. And once Microsoft realized the kind of trouble that they were in, they thought, well, we've got to get more Halo out there as soon as possible. And that became... How do we make people happy? How do we, and I don't generally like this term, but how do we pander to the fan base that we know is sitting there that hasn't bought an Xbox yet? And they said, well, why don't we give them Halo at 60 FPS for everything? And I think that that ballooned a project whose scope was pretty limited with Halo 2 Anniversary into something where it was just too much. It was too much. It was chasing problems and trying to put out fires that Xbox as a company had. And I think that that carried over kind of to the design directions that halo five suffered from you know that like we have to be four player co-op we have to be we have to have like an m like a almost a moba style pve mode we have to have 60 fps like we have to be all these things to compete and like look relevant in these games against these games uh and get people interested in the console and I think that's the thing that that I'm sort of I wish I could have been a fly on the wall for all of the meetings in Halo 5 because I'd love to know what they thought when they realized that they had to go from a 30 frames per second game to a, to a 60 FPS game. Do you think that was something that Microsoft put on them that came down from on high? I mean, there Halo had been ch- chasing Call of Duty for a long time, you know. Like Halo Reach is like the quintessential example of the game where people started really complaining that Halo was chasing Call of Duty, you know, cuz Reach had loadouts. And also armor abilities and sprinting and things like that. And Halo 4 did even more of that and also went really heavy on the map packs. And so, yeah, I think that there's kind of this accepted understanding within the industry that Halo was chasing Call of Duty and like the 60 FPS thing became like a big thing. Like that was going to be the differentiating factor from previous Halo games. That this was like the big feature, like this was the next gen feature, that Halo would be 60 FPS. And that's not a trivial thing. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, we talked about Halo 5 released at the end of 2015, or at least in the fall. In April of 2015, Halo Spartan Strike came out, which was a sequel to that top-down shooter, uh, uh, Spartan Assault from 2013. You know, they put out two of those types of games, which I remember when the first one came out, I was like, oh, this is neat, novel kind of thing but didn't really light the world on fire. It didn't seem like a lot of people cared. And so then when they were like, we're going to make a, another one, I was like, really? What? Who's playing these? It didn't really feel like we wanted two of them. Uh, but I don't know. Did, the reason why those games exist, right? No. Spartan Assault was a Windows phone game. Was it really? Yeah. And also a Windows 8 game for like tablets. Okay. Mm. And did it actually come out on phone? I think that it, I think I do think that it was a Windows phone game. I'll have to double check, but that was like part of their marketplace push. They wanted to get people to use the Microsoft store. And that's where those games came out. Like they oh, were gosh. Windows 8 exclusive Microsoft store games. Yeah, because I just was, remember playing them on the console and they did not make a splash when they came out on phones, apparently, because I was not even aware of them for that release. That's crazy. Did you guys like those games? Like just, you know, even though they weren't popular, did you think they were good? Would you want another one of them? Because I've never touched them. They were novel. I, I played a couple hours with Kyle Hilliard. I think he reviewed them and thought they were okay-ish. But yeah, it's not 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 what I want from Halo, I guess. Yeah, I, it was it was fine, but that's not what you want for Halo. But that's also just like more examples of Microsoft and Xbox trying to use Halo as like either a shield or a cudgel to try to get people interested in something or to like make people forget about the things that they were angry at that became like a long sort of trend of theirs to try to use halo as like a distraction or like the bait to sell a bigger initiative or to distract from bigger problems 
Halo 4 was kind of the canary in the coal mine and for that, I think. And uh, with its sort of quick time sequences and almost uncharted style presentation and spots. But yeah, I, I think that that those games are very much like a sort of precursor or a suggestion of like the kinds of development constraints that Halo 5 had. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I definitely felt like the Halo brand was getting stretched too thin. And I know 343 wasn't like developing those top down games or or Halo Wars or any stuff, but they they were kind of overseeing it to some degree. And that and then combined with all the Master Chief collection issues that they were trying to help put out those fires. You know, I just imagine they were <laughs> they were stretched a little thin and stressed out and it also diminished the brand, I think. So that by the time that Halo 5 actually came out, I think a lot of gamers, it didn't feel special, even though it was the first, you know, proper Halo game in a few years. It didn't really feel as special as previous Halo releases had. Yeah, I remember getting that sense, too, even as someone that was a little more detached to it. Like, I was like, it feels like this is missing the same gravitas around release and granted we were like the master chief collection was still even like a year later wasn't up to par so they were still kind of dealing with that and reeling from that so i think people kind of came into it with a little bit more cautious optimism than just that pure sort of like hell yeah halo let's go i mean if you if you remember like another way that this that my sort of like halo became like the the shield they used to defend themselves like the first time people played halo 5 was at the end of 2014 like that was the first beta that they released for the multiplayer like it was a very limited like halo 5 multiplayer beta and i think it was like the wireframe level or something where it was just like the 4v4 elimination mode mm-hmm. um that was super fun and people got really into it but it was like their way of realizing that they needed to demonstrate to people that they were serious about the game working when it came out like that's <laughs> the point that microsoft and halo had reached at the end of 2014 and going into 2015 that like nobody believed that game was going to function. It's not like Halo was alone in that because there were a lot of high profile games in 2014 and 2015 that didn't work. Like, you know, like uh drive club is the other notorious fall 2014 oh. release that didn't work. SimCity had its problems. One. It was a rough time for games and Halo kind of got caught up in that as well. Yeah, that is that's how much damage Master Chief Collection did too. Is like nobody trusted them. That's that's super interesting to think about. And then you know we talked about troubled development. Halo Four had come out. You had mentioned it earlier, Arthur, but it felt like that game kind of dropped off in a cliff. Like I think people reviewed it. It reviewed well. I think people generally thought favorably at release, but the multiplayer modes, people started to abandon those pretty quickly. It uh, did not have long legs at all. And I think that scared 343 a little bit. It's like we need to go back to the drawing board, especially with multiplayer. Yeah. I mean, at that point, Call of Duty had fully arrived. I think we said last week that Halo 4's year was the year that Black Ops 2 dropped, mm-hmm. which was huge. It it just seems like the the multiplayer, like the collective multiplayer attitude, it, you know, pretty much shifted over to that side at that point. Yeah. I also think that like 2012 was sort of like the start of the ascendance of like the more sophisticated free to play multiplayer games. That's when attention started drifting towards things like League of Legends, you know, like even cheaper games like Counter-Strike once again, sort of becoming ascendant. Like those are the shooters that people were playing if they weren't playing Call of Duty and the, the oxygen in the room for something like Halo was limited. And there was a really aggressive map monetization strategy for Halo 4. And in some ways, Halo 5 learned that lesson because Halo 5 had no paid DLC like for maps, like all the maps for Halo 5 were free. So it's not like they weren't listening. But I think that in some ways, the the die was kind of cast for Halo 5 before it even came out as far as the kind of reception it was going to get. Well, yeah, just diving into the development history a little bit within the first year of Halo 5's development, the lead writer the game designer, the engine programmer, the art director, and the narrative director all left 343. There was just a huge amount of turnaround in, in a lot of lead positions, which I'm sure left them scrambling. Josh Holmes, who was the creative director for 4, sort of moved over into more of a producer role, kind of the overseer type person. And then Tim Longo, who was a creative director at Lucasfilm for a long time, he had worked on a first-person Star Wars shooter that was never really announced or or released. Uh, And then he'd worked on Crystal Dynamics for a while on the Tomb Raider series. Anyway, he came in as the director for Halo 5. Well, Tim also worked on Republic Commando. Um, Yeah, he worked on that as well, which which was released. Yeah, it's a good point. And that one was also a four 
well, what's that four player that you played as it a squad? You 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 switched out, I think, okay. between character, or you like ordered them around. Yeah, um, there was no actual co-op in that, but I think that there was like a lot of sort of like conjecture as to the kinds of environment or the kinds of design stuff that he would contribute based on that stuff that he'd worked on before. Yeah, I remember people putting a lot of comparisons between Halo 5 and Republic Commando because you played in a squad of four in both games and you could issue commands to your squad in Halo 5, but it was pretty limited. I, I like I don't even think I used that that much. Did you guys mess around with issuing commands to your squad in Halo 5? Like a bit. I don't. Rem- yeah, like you, yeah, I don't remember it being anything super deep or crucial. It was just kind of like. Again, it's like, ah, I'm capable on my own. I guess maybe I'll send you over here. But other than that, I'm good. I think the only times I really did it were when I felt forced, like the wardens, I think, in particular, because they're really only vulnerable from behind. And yeah, so right. if you're playing by yourself, like you need something to distract those things. <laughs> so you need your your other Spartans to like go somewhere that you're not and shoot. You can <laughs> run around behind him and hopefully find a power weapon to blast him with. Yeah, it's um, like you got you guys are here so I can have my hero moment. So yeah, <laughs> go get shot exactly. for me so I can take them out. Yeah, well, please to... revive me. I got a little aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> I did like having somebody to revive me, though. That was nice. It, it, those those warden fights, too. Don't you fight them like five times or you fight them like a bunch of times? It's at least three. It's annoying, too, because it's not really that interesting of a fight. And it I don't feel like they shook it up enough. It's like uh, one they, boss fight they repeat over and over again. Yeah, they just kind of got harder, but not really different. They're pretty limited, and they also, the sandbox in those fights is pretty small. And that's that starts to feel bad in Halo games, especially when there's like a big enemy and they do a lot of damage. Like to not have somewhere to retreat to reliably doesn't really feel amazing in a Halo game. I mean, we won't jump ahead too much, but it's clear like playing through Halo 5 and then playing through Halo Infinite so closely together that they were definitely taking notes on the things that people complained about. But yeah, the Warden fights are, are definitely like a number one complaint and they just feel like they were there as something to challenge for people. I like I I I'm not trying to plug anything. I wrote a book about the Gears of War series and I got to talk to Lee Perry, who's this guy who was hugely influential, did a lot of design on Gears of War and they talked about Gears of War 3 being a particular challenge because they needed a way to challenge four players instead of two in co-op and that on a system without more resources you're demanding an awful lot to try to keep people engaged um, which is one of the reasons why the lambent and gears of war 3 mutate into versions where they can attack multiple people at once because it's the only way to keep multiple people engaged with hardware that is like eight years old but i do think that there's like just technical limitations that they suffered in trying to create an environment where four people could be engaged while still running at 60 frames per second. And that the warden may have been like the best that they could manage with the time that they had. Oh, that's an interesting perspective on that. Yeah. I, I still think it would have been nice. <laughs> I I'm actually of the mind that you don't need to add a boss fight just for the sake of a boss fight to uh, maybe have him be one fight you do later on in the game, but having a fun encounter where you fight a bunch of guys is totally fine with me. Most of the it's boss called- fights in halo were bad. <laughs> yeah honestly yeah usually i mean he is called warden eternal ben you have to live up to that second name that's true (laughs) it just i don't know one really long boss fight at the end maybe does it or yeah uh going back to the development initially apparently and this goes back to what you were saying arthur i didn't realize this but they initially considered making the opposing team to chief the one that's hunting down chief be team majestic which was featured in the in the halo force spartan ops series so that's making a connection now and makes more sense but they eventually changed it and nathan fillion became available they're like let's get him in there and they threw him in there and then they threw luke cage in there to lead his lock and that's how they lost they had his likeness, but they lost his voice. I'm pretty sure like my Coulter had to do something else. And so they had to recast Locke's uh, voice actor. Huh? I was like, I don't think I read because that. I mean, I definitely wasn't really familiar with my Coulter at the time of 2015. But when I replayed it in 2020, yeah, I he, uh, wasn't his he voice got around. the role in Luke Cage and couldn't come back and finish shooting for Halo oh, 5. OK, it was his likeness, but not his voice. Okay, because I was, it looks just like him. So the voice is different. I didn't realize that. Ike Imadi is the guy's name. Mike Coulter is the voice of Locke in Halo 2 Anniversary. I'm also pretty sure he's in uh, the uh, the Halo 2 or the Halo 5 prequel movie. 
that they made whose name escapes me but yeah uh, like that's a lot of things went wrong for halo 5 and losing like a lead actor is definitely on the list it's gotta be rough too it's probably just like well we got to keep the likeness and this is just going to be a weird thing where it's not going to sound like him but yeah I, I mean did you did you have more sort of development sort of factoids i, I guess i'm curious because i feel like this is one of the least documented halo games as far as like internal development stories yeah i was having trouble finding too much more their vice did an interesting piece where they interviewed a bunch of the team and did a narrative history of the whole series but the part about halo 5 is pretty short there's an interesting quote from tim longo which says like one of my early thoughts was kind of throwing the chief paradigm a little bit on its head to have some mystery enshrouding him and what his motivations are. So the concept of a manhunt came up early on and it gave you this simple thrust of following chief across the galaxy. An early goal formed of seeing just one planet, but then we ended up going to really four planets and then a capital ship, which was uh, super challenging to put the team through. Kind of one of the few quotes I was like, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I am. So before Halo 5 came out, I had talked to some industry people about it and that like it was a project that was very ambitious and also like had had some challenges that were kind of nebulous, like some of which were just like Xbox platform production stuff, just that like some of the problems with Halo Master Chief Collection were platform stuff as much as anything, but that the original sort of design plan for it was something much closer to Destiny where you would oh, really? be able to ch- to tackle missions in other places on other planets and to have like more of a choice in the way that you engage with these spaces and where like you'd be able to find collectibles. And I think that as I sort of alluded to when we first started is that like, I think if you look, there are suggestions that that game is still kind of there. The fact that there are places you just walk through. Is it Meridian? Is that the mining world? There's uh, a mining yeah. planet. Yeah, the mining planet with the AI supervisor. Like when you get to that planet, you're not fighting there. Like you wander around their camp. Yeah. And you're like looking for people who are like giving you clues as to where the Master Chief is. And you're like listening to people talk about the UNSC and stuff. And that's not like any other Halo game at all. Like that is a very strange situation. And not that it's bad, but it's so wildly out of place that it's difficult to wonder what it's doing there in a game that, like we mentioned, is pretty short. Well, like you said, was this going to be lead to something more? And the Destiny idea makes more sense now if it was trying to be more of an, I don't know, RPG late type experience where you're getting quests and going out out of a hub world or something even. That would make more sense if it was trying to be that. And then that's just like the vestigial piece that just stuck around for some reason and to be clear like the the comparisons i heard didn't say destiny because i think that this was before the original destiny came out the original destiny came out Um, 2014 but yeah like development on this would have been happening before the release of destiny so yeah what i had heard is that like it was something that kind of happened like concurrently that this is something a lot of different sort of studios were trying to crack as far as like an idea of a bigger world with shooter elements. And I think far cry is probably like an example of an influence. Sure. Things. Yeah. Or something like, I don't know, Borderlands was, was out at that point too. So maybe there was some element of like RPG shooterness in the air. And then when you look at Warzone, like it's these big, almost campaign style spaces that provide like opportunities for exploration and that kind of makes me wonder if they that started that way or if they started sort of rooted in a campaign feature that largely got cut like it's it's really hard for me to look at halo 5 and not wonder what it was supposed to be versus what we got which is a pretty competent shooter with really good multiplayer like really really good multiplayer (laughs) it's funny now uh in 2021 and 2022 looking at people rave about how great Halo Infinite's multiplayer is because in most respects, Halo Infinite's multiplayer is just a more refined version of everything that Halo 5 did. Like it, it's a little more, it's a little simplified in some ways. Like there's not like the hover feature that was part of Halo 5 or the ground pounds and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. it really is very similar to Halo 5. And Halo 5's multiplayer was very good. Very, very good. Um, it just didn't have that critical mass. And I think that the other, if not mistake, the thing that sort of like cursed halo 5 is that it was a a big multiplayer game that came out during the additional ascendance of even more free-to-play multiplayer games that got really really big 
I mean, that was one of Infinite's smart moves probably was making it free to play just so they could get a big swell of people in there. Yeah. Did Five's multiplayer keep all the uh, loadout and armor abilities? Not really. I don't think so. It was it was, it was much more stripped back. It was designed with an esports emphasis, which stop me if you've heard this one. Um, <laughs> like, but in the case of Halo Five, it really was designed for that. Like, I think that the maps are designed to be spectated. Everybody had very clear outlines. They just they straight up made it so that all the can all the DLC, like as far as maps, would be free. They'd never charge for DLC, and it also had chests. Like it had cosmetic loadouts. It, it felt so, like a lot of fives multiplayer was peddling back stuff that had happened in four, even though people said they liked four when it came out. There was stuff like, you know, four had the loadouts and perks and all that. And they kind of paired that stuff back to try to create a more even playing field, which is what Halo is known for, you know, where it matters where you find stuff on the map and that kind of stuff. Didn't Halo four have like there were surprise drops that could happen in a map and you didn't know where they were going to land. Stuff like that just kind of like messes up the gameplay a little bit, I think. That could be. And I also think that they Halo 5 introduced to the series the idea of like weapon spawn points like that were clearly marked. Like this is where the sniper rifle spawns because there's a ghostly image of a sniper rifle there. You know, <laughs> right. Like, that. like so that even people who didn't spend just hours memorizing where every spawn on a map was could still play the game. Exactly. When power opens were about to spawn, things like that. And it's all of that's an infinite. Well, yeah. And it's just making the gameplay a little bit more accessible because Halo, you know, if you played Halo, you already knew where the sniper rifle was after you played the map once or twice, right? You learned where it was and then that's where you would go to. So just making it more accessible for newcomers to know, okay, this is where the sniper rifle is and just putting a giant sign on it. I think that was a smart move, like you're saying. And the original Halo also started you with the most powerful weapon in the game. Just the pistol? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that was something they spent the next however many games trying to fix. That puts a lot more pressure on the developer to, like, tell people where the good weapons are mm-hmm. if it doesn't start them with the good weapon. But yeah, I mean, like, a lot of a lot of the things that people like about Halo Infinite were done in Halo 5. It's not quite as refined. Yeah. Not free to play. Yeah, the other element of multiplayer was their Warzone mode. Which, as you said, I didn't even like put it together when it released, but it's basically a MOBA, right? It's a, like a shooter MOBA kind of style where you're going for somebody's base. There's a bunch of spawns. There's a bunch of enemies you can fight. AI on the battlefield you can fight. AI bosses you can fight. You can spawn different vehicles, different weapons, that kind of stuff. Which was cool. I think people liked it. There was It also was bundled with that card system that I don't think people liked. So I think that kind of tarnished everybody's opinion of Warzone a little bit. But did you guys play a lot of Warzone? Nope, not at all. Uh, I played some. I think that the problem for me, and I think the problem for Warzone, is that I already kind of had my forever game at that point. Like, I was just way deep into Dota in 2015. And I think that, like, there are lots of games like that. Like, lots of people were into Dota, lots of people were into Counter-Strike, lots of people were into uh, League. I think the Overwatch beta might have been going on at that point. Mm, you might um, be right, because that released in 2016, yeah. right? Yeah. It could um, have been Battleborn, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were all super hot on Battleborn at the time. So, yeah, I, I think that there were a lot of distractions. And again, I think that it felt a little bit like pulling teeth, getting people to play on an Xbox One. Like, it's there was a lot of resistance in my friend's group. Like from people who formerly loved Halo to like get on and play Warzone or Halo 5 multiplayer because they just didn't want to play the system. And I think that, that really the perception of, of Xbox as being anti-consumer, of being uncool, of being just a bunch of greedy corporate sellouts, like really hurt Halo oh, yeah. 5's ability to gather an audience. Yeah, it's weird to think about that now because I think we've I think they finally hit a point where. It seems like by and large people have either forgiven them for that or forgotten about it if they got into the ecosystem after, you know, Phil Spencer took over. So it's almost weird to look back on that early era, those first few years of the Xbox One and remember, like, everyone hated this thing, <laughs> pretty much, it seemed. Like, I, I remember being, uh, I was working in a GameStop when the, that generation launched and I kept getting phone calls every day of people asking for PS4s and when I would tell them we didn't, but we had, like, plenty of xbox ones and i'd get a bunch of angry responses because people were just like what the thing that doesn't let you play use games 
Yeah, <laughs> that they spent that entire console cycle digging themselves out of a hole that they just crater bombed themselves before the console released. Yeah, and I mean, it's really only just been in the last year that that started to really work for them because you know people liked what they were doing but it wasn't until the new consoles launched that i think that people started really taking it seriously and a lot of in a lot of ways halo 5 was where they learned the lessons they needed to learn like co-op is important multiplayer is important esports is important being on more than one platform is important you have to hedge your bets and that's another thing that i think it's easy to forget in 2022 that Halo 5 was only on Xbox One. Like, there's no PC release for Halo 5. It's the only Halo game that's not on PC, as a matter of fact. And I think that that also lends it, like, this air of sort of now illegitimacy or sort of redheaded stepchild status of, like, the Halo that people didn't want because it's the one the least people can play and nobody wants to play it on an Xbox One. Yeah, that's a good point. I did have one other Tim Longo quote that I that I shared since we're talking. And it's talking about the Spartan abilities. You know, you had the one that you could do was with the, gosh, what do they call it? The one where you basically jash, dash towards the ground. Yeah, the ground pound. Ground pound, oh, right, right. Yeah. And you would like hit people and knock them away and you could kill grunts and stuff. Tim Longo was talking about that. He said, we had some early Spartan abilities that didn't make it into the game. They were a big addition to the sandbox for Halo 5. So we had the ground pound, which which made it into the game. And a shoulder charge a double jump and all kinds of crazy things that we ended up had to focus down a little bit. So it's interesting that they were messing around with the halo formula quite a bit there. It sounds like. Is it just cut for time or they just decided it didn't work? I got the impression it's mostly cut for time. Yeah. When, when you make mechanics like the deviate from the standard tool set, you need to build opportunities to use them. Exactly. And that's my big yeah. problem. I think the shoulder, excuse me, the ground pound was cool, but I didn't feel like the game really facilitated that very much because you always had to be on a higher level or end up in the air to crash down. And I don't think the campaign levels let you do that very often. It was like very canned spots where like you could crash through the floor mm-hmm. or charge through like shoulder charge through a wall for some reason, instead of it just being a door that opened. It wasn't really meaningful. It did add to the combat sandbox like it was a meaningful sort of add to the combat sandbox but yeah i think that this is another example where it's not just about time it's about like just system resources like (laughs) the other thing about halo 5 that i think it's easy to forget if you haven't played it recently is that despite the fact that the game runs at 60 the enemy ai and the enemies in general animate it considerably less than that when they're more than like 20 feet in front of you like the frame rate halves on enemies that are like like half the screen away and then when they're farther than that, it's like a quarter rate. The, it's really weird. It's really disorienting. And it really speaks to like an implementation that almost feels a little hacked in. And I think that it's just it's hard not to look at what that game is and think that like things got cut or things didn't make it in, not just because of time, which every developer runs out of time. And that's like another thing to talk about, that they just didn't have the resources to make it work. Yeah, I know Tim Longo again, there was uh, he was talking about going from 30 to 60 it's not like double work it's like four times the amount of work just to do that and they did that but then they also made larger levels all the levels were big it was pretty wide big levels which i don't know in some cases felt unnecessary how big they were or how wide they were but he was saying that was just a ton of work and they didn't really feel prepared and he kind of felt like we shouldn't have done both of those things we shouldn't have made the level so wide and big and try to go up to 60 frames per second. It was just too much to to try to chew on at once. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that that's probably true. And I think that the other thing about Halo 5 is that, that was clearly a game that should have been delayed. Like looking back on it now, especially with like Halo Infinite being the sort of like elephant in the room that it was a Microsoft then that wouldn't delay anything. Like lots mm-hmm. of games. That was the era of Microsoft first party games that got sixes and sevens because mm-hmm. they came out and they like they functioned, but that was it. Like they didn't have the time that they needed to be interesting. Like look at something like Recore, for example, or oh even like gosh. State of Decay 2. Yeah. Um, Recore was that same year or was that the next year? That was, like, I think that close. was early 2016. It was, probably. Like pretty- it was just like games didn't get enough time. Games that should have been delayed didn't delayed. Um, games had to come out to match Microsoft's sort of like financial quarters. And 
you know, like what would Halo be, Halo 5 have been if the Microsofts and Xbox that exist now had existed then? You know, like how much time could 343 have gotten to make a game that was what they wanted to make? You know, part of me wonders if Halo, like Halo Infinite is the answer to that question. In some mm-hmm. ways, Halo Infinite very much feels like an answer to the questions that Halo 5's release raised for me. It's a fun game. But it's it's a very interesting artifact and sort of time capsule about where Xbox was at that moment and the role that 343 was supposed to play in saving Microsoft's ass from the mistakes that they've made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you, I mean, ReCore is, uh, glad you brought that up because that is the poster child for me of a game that had some cool ideas and elements in there. They're like, this is neat. And I think a lot of people were enthusiastic about before release and then it just came out and was a mess. The first quarter of it was pretty cool. Yeah, there's a part of me that still really wants to like that game. <laughs> Got a ton of updates, too. Yeah, I haven't yeah, gone back I, since I, then. I've been wanting to go back to it to see how it holds up now. Yeah, that was also a weird era, too, because that would have been, um, in terms of just general disappointment around the brand, not long after that would have been when Fable Legends got canceled. And, you know, the what, about a year later was when Scalebound got canceled, too. You know, that's a third-party thing, but it was still an exclusive. It was just... It just kind of felt like this, this general black cloud over Xbox. Mm-hmm. Like the things that are coming out are just kind of okay. And then the stuff that maybe looked kind of cool didn't happen. <laughs> so you're like, what am I, what am I getting exactly outside of like, for me, Gears 4 being the one kind of like standout of like, oh, this is great. And this saw the light of day. Yeah. It's kind of it. Yeah. They basically had to go buy every independent company in the world, like every game <laughs> studio in the world to get themselves out of this mess they'd created. It's like, we need yeah, to make I mean, some they, games. They had spent so long sort of deprioritizing internal development and letting stuff wither and die on the vine. And like, you know, the the fruits of the Xbox One launch took a long time to grow. Like Microsoft made mistakes for a very long time before they finally like had their comeuppance with the launch of that console. And I think that if you go back to Halo 4 and the reception around it and a lot of there's a lot of negativity around the launch of that game, despite the fact that it reviewed well. And a lot of negativity around 343 and sort of lionizing a bungee. And a lot of that just had to do with people really getting the feeling that Microsoft didn't care about them because, you know, like you have E3 presences that are dominated by the Beatles being on stage and Project Natal. And then you mm-hmm. have like actual Connect being like the thrust of their 2010 press conference and stuff like that. And yeah, you know, it was a culmination of all the things that people were afraid that Microsoft was telling them. And they had to spend a lot of time to rebuild that trust. And I think that Halo 5 is a casualty of their need to survive and also people's indifference or anger toward the platform. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And, and I know a lot of people online hate this game, but when you frame it all like that, you kind of got to look at it and say like, actually it's kind of impressive that Halo 5 was as good as it was, you know, definitely there are flaws, but yeah, it kind of yeah. came to, like for the fact they only had two basically two years to work on it right and they had all this stuff they were trying to do with it i don't know i think it's kind of impressive in that light yeah i think it's like i said before i think it's generally fun to play like i i i'm a guy that likes sprinting and moving around i like mobility and shooters in general so it was just the most fun i've had with a halo game some of the weird abilities that we talked about before like the ground pound where it's like this is weird but you know, I guess in some situations it's sort of fun. Yeah, I mean, this could have easily just been a complete dumpster fire. Is all the hate because of the narrative, you think? Or is there, I know yeah. people, some people didn't like the rec system, the card system in, in you know, I Warzone, mean, like I said, but. It, it seems like whenever I hear people talk bad about this game, it's also entirely narrative based. Mm. I just also think it just wasn't what people thought they wanted or maybe not what they wanted, you know, like it seems like halo infinite is a game that has gone back more to basics as a game that people are excited about. Like it is a extremely competent, very fun game that doesn't do a lot of interesting things mechanically. It's just very much a cooperative halo game with some really good set pieces. And I think playing it right before infinite sort of established me. One of the things that kind of bums me out about infinite is that infinite has some decently high highs, but there's just no huge, like set piece like there is in halo 5 like the super scarab or whatever it was called in halo 5 like where it's there for most of a level where you're chasing it around the sides and then you get into the the promethean flyer vehicles and like are fighting around it with a bunch of banshees in the air 
and you have to land on the super scarab and take out its core like that's all it's all does like very big stuff very well Hmm. but it also it doesn't do anything new really and that's kind of a killer also yes the narrative is is barely coherent it's all backloaded it feels like it's missing pieces and they don't give the cortana twist time to resonate no kind of yeah if if anything it just kind of happens out of nowhere because it's like oh the last game she was malfunctioning but not like evil or anything and then this one she's like i'm gonna take over the galaxy and you're like wait what how did we get to this yeah it was is cortana alive is cortana alive cortana's alive she's evil and we're done it, it was definitely all setting up for, you know, Halo 6 or whatever that was going to be, which <laughs> given the reception, <laughs> they kind of swept that under the rug. But yeah, I don't know. Marcus, is there, uh, do you want to like try to give a overview of this narrative? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty much a tale of two Spartans. Like I say, you're spending time between uh, switching between Chief and Blue Team, who's like his his little posse. That, that was kind of a cool thing about this game, right? Because you never really got to see blue team much in the mainline games i feel like they were always kind of mentioned and like they're mentioned in the books yeah and you almost have to read the books to understand anything about them because in the game itself they spend almost no time with blue team or any of those characters you yeah they're like his knights of ren (laughs) kind of (laughs) which is kind of disappointing because they're they're actually pretty interesting characters but yeah like the the idea of family and all that stuff that blue team has is just like not demonstrated and that's going to be a challenge for them when they put them in Halo Infinite at some point. I really yeah. wanted Chief to say it's all about family at one point in that game. Yeah, gets yeah. a huddle with them all. <laughs> yeah, that's another. I, it's it's like another example of this game of a lot of things just kind of coming out of nowhere. Like you mentioned, Arthur, this is more of a direct sequel to like the Spartan Ops story from Halo Four, which we summarized in our Halo Four episode, where you know Halsey hooks up with the. Uh, I'm I'm never going to pronounce her name right, but like was it Jewel Jewel Dama Jewel Jewel M Dama. Jewel and Dama. Okay. Like her like splinter covenant group. And And then they take the person that they were setting up as like a big villain for Halo 5 and kill him (laughs) in like the first level (laughs) of Halo 5, which is just like, what? Because we were wondering what happened to Didax. Like he falls in a portal and like, is he dead? And turns out he's not because he shows up in a comic later on. There's Um, more than one Didact though. So careful there. Oh, okay. Well, the didact, the one that we ran into in four, we'll say. There's like a clone didact somewhere. And also the original didact is apparently still alive. So yeah, that's Halo Endless. There's duo dax. It's it's not that Halo 5 has problems that are different from other Halo games or even other video games. Like I just replayed Horizon. I just played Horizon Zero Dawn for the first time. And just the last third of that game is just nonstop audio logs and codex pages just all the time. Because developers have all this story and then they have to start cutting stuff and they've run out of time like every and it happens to every developer every developer runs out of time every game is hard to ship the fact that halo 2 ends the way it does is not unique in video games the fact that this ends the way it does and unfolded the way it did is not uncommon developers just frequently have to curtail their goals and their design plans to make a ship date or they're naughty dog and get six years and two or three hundred million dollars to make a 20 hour single campaign and release it when it's ready. That seems to be the two options, but it's hard to make a game. And I think that Halo 5 is just and is part of that tradition. Yeah, and I guess the quick like gist is just like in terms of the story, like in terms of chief side, he gets like a message from Cortana confirming that she's alive. And also pretty much spends the game trying to chase her down and eventually finds her. And she very quickly just says, hey, that rampancy thing I had, it's gone now because I found some Forerunner tech. And it also gave me the power to command these giant planet destroying robots called Guardians. And I'm going to use them to achieve galactic peace. And if you're not down with that, then I'm just going to blow you away (laughs) because that's how peace works. And then on, <laughs> on Sparks, uh, excuse me, Spartan Lockside, his team, Fire Team Osiris, they are sent after Master Chief because Master Chief goes AWOL to pursue Cortana. So they kind of do a, um, what I guess every long running series does at a certain point of like, hey, the guy that you like is now technically the bad guy. You're just chasing Chief down pretty much the whole game until you eventually figure out the real threat is Cortana and then team up with his guys and 
it, it pretty much just all becomes a concerted effort to like, hey, we got to stop Cortana because she's weaponizing other AIs to wipe out or, I mean, or at least like to subjugate the galaxy. Like she says, like, hey, if you know, if you get down with me, I won't, you know, wipe you guys out. But if you're not, then you don't you don't even have a choice to just be like, hey, you know, we don't want to be a part of your thing. But like, we're not going to fight you either. She's like, no, you either want peace or you die. I would point to one other thing that all of this just reminded me of as far as like a sign of like when Halo 5's development shifted is that if you watch like if you play Halo 2 Anniversary, Spartan Locke is in it. Like he's there at the beginning and the end. And the idea is that he is talking to the Arbiter to get information on the Master Chief to hunt him down. And they do this in these beautiful, ridiculously expensive blur cutscenes from a company that like charges like a million dollars a minute for CG, like literally. (laughs) And the, the framing of that clearly just is like, this is very much about lock hunting the chief. Like this is the game. Like it's suits the tone of the advertising that doesn't at all match the story of the game. And that also suggests to me that like, as, as much as like mid 2014, when they were giving these scripts to blur to work on that, like the story was probably different than what it was in the game that we saw yeah even the way it ends i remember it not being that satisfying it's like i mean it, it's basically a cliffhanger like you said ben to set up i guess a halo 6 because you know they don't actually stop cortana they just kind of escape and right halo stall, it. and it's, stall. it's halo 2 all over again yeah like they pretty much just stall or like hey we're just gonna float around space you know doing random slip jumps we're gonna get all the main characters together and we're just gonna try to figure out how we deal with her I would love to know what the original narrative was because they definitely set it up as choose your side, like you're saying, Arthur. But for the most of the game, I don't even think Chief is aware of Spartan Locke's team, right? He's off on doing his own thing. Yeah, until and they fight for the first time, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and, well, even then, he doesn't care that they're after him to some degree. And Locke is just trying to hunt him down because he went AWOL, right? Like, it's not like... He's just following orders. He's not, he has, like, no personal... Right, you know, it's, it's not like he's really against... Like, I hate Chief. <laughs> yeah, Chief just... At least something more interesting of, like, I got a personal beef with this guy, but he's just like, oh, I guess you told me to go get him, I'll go get him. Well, exactly. What is the conflict there? There's just like, oh, Spartan Chief went missing, or Master Chief went missing, go go get him, because he's not, he hasn't checked in, right? He just yeah. decided to go off on his own mission, and you need to stop him. It'd even be well, cooler they, if they established, like, hey, Locke, I don't know, in the past, maybe he's, like, the only guy that could, like take down chief i don't know even if it's like hey these guys fought once and lock maybe won so like he's the guy that could like just to make him feel more like a threat or like on chief's level a little bit right they actually do more work in halo 4 to suggest why master chief should be hunted than they do in halo 5 because halo 4 opens with halsey being interrogated about master chief about like whether he's human like whether he can be trusted yeah if he's a problem and they just never touch any of that in Halo 5 would well, be more totally ignore it. It'd be more interesting if, yeah, he he went a wall and maybe something he did like accidentally ended up, I don't know, killing a planet or, you know, like and not maybe to make like, Master Chief a villain, but like for some reason that they want really want to get him and like bring him in. If he drank some of Cortana's Kool-Aid a little bit or I, maybe dude. Cortana framed him and made it look like he was. So there is a thing that happens that like sort of alludes to why it's a problem, which is that like. They get Halsey back. They say that the chief like was investigating some Cortana related thing. And Halsey has like a little breakdown and says that they need to get Master Chief's ass back Mm -hmm. like immediately that they can't let him go look for Cortana. So Mm -hmm. there was an opportunity and like an illusion that there was more story there, like to sort of explain why it would be bad if he found Cortana because. Well, they never follow up with that, right? Like because Halsey never really says like, oh, I thought this. I it's it's not really clear. Um, yeah. I think that there's a suggestion that if she is alive, if if Cortana is alive, that there could be a pretty big problem with her. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and there is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She, she does she does mention something about like you know, especially because I think she knows or has an idea that Cortana's come into contact with Forerunner Tech that I don't know c- corrupt her, I guess, or and is rampant as hell. Yeah, like, she's like a, a nine-year-old AI. She's like way, way past her expiration date. So there was there was stuff there that they could have worked with, and I just don't. 
it's hard to look at it and not think they just ran out of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he also mentioned like in in the midst of all this, there's like a civil war with like the uh, covenant. In fact, when you go to the uh, uh, the arbiter's planet with his faction, to you know, you kind of get roped up with helping them so that they can help you find the the guardian that's buried there, which seems like it's resolved pretty quick. Because you're like, oh, what's going on here? Like, because it's the first time you've seen the arbiter in a very long time, and you're kind of like, oh, I want to hang out with him and see what's going on like what's he even doing this whole time for a bit longer you gotta ride a guardian to a mystery planet that is although that does lead to one of the coolest parts in the game where you're like running down the side of the guardian above that like that planet where cortana is like you're like way up in the atmosphere after it does like its slip space jump yeah and that part's cool like that's a very cool part of the game I remember wanting more from the guardians themselves, like knowing more about them. Cause it's like, Oh, Cortana, it suddenly has like a fleet of giant planet destroying robots. And I was like, where did these, like I had to look up when I was looking at, it's like, what, what were these things for? And apparently they were like, originally they were precursor tech and they were supposed to be used just to document their history. And then when the forerunners came into picture, they repurposed them as basically giant guns. They were part of the mantle right like yeah. the mantle of responsibility like that the precursors laid out it's like one race will be responsible for keeping the galaxy safe and the forerunner like the precursors did this the forerunners realized that it wasn't them and then eventually realized that they it was supposed to be humans were supposed yeah. to have the mantle and cortana's thing was like humans don't deserve the mantle because look at them which valid argument but uh her thing was that the created the ai should, the should take over yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah it's i like the idea of the guardians of like them just being weird missiles pointed at every planet that has life giant <laughs> planet police like, yeah like, sure why not if one of you step out of line we'll just blow you up yeah they're the automated peacekeeping force or something pretty much that are just sleeping on i guess every planet that has life until and, they're activated but they're not really used much in the game i mean you see them a couple times but in terms of like being used for something or I don't know, fighting one or something. You don't really see that. Feels like again, they were setting it up as like this is going to be a big thing of sit in six, whatever six is, and then we, we yeah. know what happened there. It's it, it's weird thing looking at this story in hindsight because like we mentioned, we alluded to, and we'll get into this more when we talk about Halo Infinite. So much of it feels like it doesn't matter at all. Maybe all of it, <laughs> really, because yeah, like, and I think that kind of contributes to the sort of redheaded stepchild status that this game has, where it's like, even if you maybe like this story, you're not really going to get much follow-up from it. I mean, I don't know. I think that it's premature to say that because I, as far as I'm concerned, like Halo Infinite story is only started and you know, there's the, there's been rampant sort of speculation, no pun intended that there was a, I mean, not speculation. Like people have found a cut scene in the PC version of the game where the pilot yeah. and the master chief are in space and see like somebody. Yeah. And also there's like speculation that the, the, you know, the didact is around and that there's all sorts of interesting stuff to do and see. So I, I don't know that we know what effect halo five had or has mm-hmm. on the story. Also Inf- infinite does demonstrate Cortana following through on her threat a couple of times. Yeah. Including in a way that is ultimately a pretty big problem for her. Like she, she makes a mistake, like a pretty bad mistake in Mm -hmm. her expression of her willingness to, to follow through on her threats. So I think that it's not like the story ignores all that, but I do think that, that it writes a lot of big checks very quickly that sort of boxed in what three, four, three could do with a game like this. Yeah. And then they had a lot of the same problems making this that they did with halo five. They just had way more time. So much more time. And that time clearly helped. Turns out. Yeah, not that we can get too too much into Infinite yet, but we should we will next week, I guarantee. But yeah, I don't know. Any any final thoughts on Halo 5 Guardians then? Yeah, I, I think that again, it's it's unfortunate like that it is this sort of symbol of a very difficult time in the life of Xbox as a platform and 343 as a developer. I think that it's a fun game. And I think that it's actually aged pretty well. Like playing that game on series X, it looks really good. It was a very good looking game on like modern console hardware. That is not the original Xbox one. And I think that that makes it more fun to play. 
I think that it's a shame that the multiplayer never got the traction that it deserved. I think it's it would be a shame if Warzone is sort of like relegated to the annals of Spartan Ops history. Compared to other sort of black sheep entries and other long running popular series, I think this is ultimately one of the better ones. I would still recommend it to people, especially if you're running through the whole series. I don't think there's a really good reason to skip it. You know, you can maybe warn them like, eh, the narrative gets kind of weird. I don't know about that, but it's still a fun Halo game to play. And like you mentioned, Arthur, it looks fantastic. Yeah, it's I think that I think you I don't think I could put it much better than what you did. Of Like it's it's more emblematic of where Xbox was just as a brand at that point in time. And maybe that's ultimately what we'll remember it most for. Yeah, I think it's all well said. Cool. Halo 5 Guardians, released October 27, 2015, as we've said a couple times, reviewed pretty well. Its Metacritic is at 84. I think we've we've said, like, yeah, we like it. I think uh, I think it holds up okay. First week of global sales totaled more than 400 million, which made it the fastest selling Xbox One exclusive. Sold 5 million copies in the first three months of release, which isn't bad for a game. Although if you remember, Halo 3 sold over 5 million copies in two weeks. So it's a little bit different there. Yeah. But yeah, there you go. That's that's Halo 5 Guardians. And it would be the last Halo for a quite a while, <laughs> it turns out. Well, Halo Wars came out a couple years later. But yeah, last proper shooter for a while. It feels like they had to s- sort of fix some things. Microsoft had to fix themselves first. <laughs> yeah, it turns out Halo Wars 2 kind of important to the future of Halo. But Halo Wars so. 2 was important, yeah. Did you play that game, Arthur? I did. I reviewed Halo Wars 2. I uh, yeah. thought it was very good. And also, all the best villain and story stuff in, ha- in Halo Infinite is all straight from Halo Wars 2. Yeah. yeah, it's a great game. I recommend checking it out. Come back next week. We'll talk about Halo. We'll probably will talk about a lot about Halo Wars 2, but we'll also be talking a lot about Halo Infinite. So join us next week. Thanks for joining us, Arthur. It's been a great time. Anything you want to plug or anything? Oh, God, no. Just please be sane on the internet. That's all I ask. <laughs> please be sane. All right. Fair <laughs> the enough. Best plug. Well, please like and subscribe. Please leave us some reviews on the podcast app of your choice. You can follow me at Benjamin Reeves on Twitter. I am at Marcus Stewart 7, the number 7 on Twitter. I'm at AEGIES, and I block people liberally. So please behave. Challenge thrown. <laughs> Should it be a challenge, though, to behave? I don't know. I would hope not, but you know. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. Come back next week. Like we said, Halo Infinite. It's the podcast that never ends. Never ends.